right, welcome back to the Footy Museum and the Footy Museum podcast. I am Justin Witte, and I am with my overly exuberant co-director, Maria Van Dyke and Lee. Maria, why are you so happy? I don't care that it was a controversial win. Ah, it was still a win. Ah. You are speaking, of course, of Leeds against the, the Wolves. Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton Wolves. Wolves. Actually... They're the Wanderers, yeah. but they're the Wolves. Yes, I was going to say. Wolverhampton Wanderers. That was wolves. a wild, wild game. It was wild like a, like the Wolves. But I think there was everything. in the, There was driving rain and sunshine. There was rain and sunshine. And a rainbow. And a rainbow. And it was like, who's this rainbow going to be for? I Is thought it- the same thing. <laughs> Which fan base will look back on this as yeah. a sign? And it was just as I think the wolves were taking a free kick, so I was like, "This is bad. This is this rainbow is meant for the wolves, but it wasn't. It was a Leeds it rainbow. Was a Leeds rainbow. It was the most unleadsy win in the world because they got four goals. Four, uh, one controversial. Well, the final one, but it was, was the extra say, goal. And controversial calls that went their way and not against Yeah, them. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. That last call, that, so let's see. There was the the last goal was scored by Rodrigo, and it was right after um, someone had grabbed a Wolves player, a, what, Adama, his jersey. And it was very clearly a foul, and they did not call it. You know, I, the uh, the broadcasters and everyone was saying this is clearly a foul, but when I look at it, um, the he did pull his jersey, but I felt like he had already kind of stopped at that point, and I don't feel like he was going to get the ball anyway. And plus, if you look at the size of that guy, he's so big. That tug would not have stopped him. It was more of like he's like, oh, he's tugging, so I'm going to stop and try to get the call instead of playing the whistle. Oh. So that's just bad form. You, you got to play the whistle. He's got one of the biggest upper bodies in Premier League. Ah, that can't be good. This, I mean, it's going to slow you down. Just the wind resistance. I'm like, this is He's a choice. Massive. I don't think that that's genetic. I think it's a choice. You have to work hard to get traps like that. Um, it was a scrappy, scrappy game and a very good win, especially considering that your leads face league leading arsenal next week Mm -hmm, yeah we're gonna lose (laughs) you never know you could could tie you could draw you could maybe even win who knows Uh, some magical (laughs) magical magical fluke it's definitely gonna be a loss oh what else happened the premier league this week we had the champions league where um erling holland unleashed five five goals and then just today he had another three goals really epic So he's already broken the single season record for Manchester City for most goals. And um, I think most villagers eaten as well. Mm-hmm. Most villages pillaged. <laughs> most villages. <laughs> just he's a Viking. Unstoppable. And then, of course, the one time Leeds win, many of the other relegation battling teams all decided to also get points. It's an anything can happen weekend. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you just hope some of them would. Did any of them? I was pretty upset by the Chelsea Everton draw. Yeah, that was not good. Yeah. And it looks like only Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, of course, Wolves. Um, And I guess, you know, Crystal Palace is now solidly in 
relegation scrap too. They also lost. They are winners of their last four, which is, I mean, losers of their last four, which is probably why they sent Patrick Vieira Mm -hmm. packing this week. Maybe he'll come back to MLS and coach the Chicago Fire. Oh, because how would you feel about that? I would be happy about anything at this point because, (laughs) um, well, we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Not great. So, yeah, Leicester, West Ham, Southampton, and Everton all draw when Leeds gets those vital three points. But Leeds did go all the way from 19th to 14th. Mm-hmm. That's just how tight it is. Yeah. Or you could say they're just solidly middle of the table. There's Very nothing solid. nothing to worry about. Very solid. Super solid. Nothing to worry about. Not going to jump back down to 16th. 17th next week. Meanwhile, Newcastle bumped above Liverpool. I don't get Liverpool this year. Just up and down all over the place. Um, so it's it was a wild weekend that way. Um, I mentioned the fire, the MLS. I, I'm not sure if I like this year's format. I understand with Apple TV, they like to have all the games at the same day, a lot of them the same time, so it's consistent. But then there's only like a small window. I don't get any games on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't get any night games. No Friday night games, but um, St. Louis City four and zero. They win again. Their inaugural season. A team created out of nothing has broken the puzzle that has eluded the Chicago Fire for the last fifteen years. <laughs> but the Fire, who blew a three-one lead at Soldier Field, was witnessed firsthand by none other than Maria Van Dyke and Lee. I'm still shivering. <laughs> It was so cold. <laughs> what was the temperature at, at kickoff? Well, it was like 20 degrees, but with the wind chill, it was it had to be at least zero. It was so cold. I was wearing, I had layered like a thermal plus my down winter coat plus my parka. And then I was wearing three pairs of pants and two pairs of thermal socks. And I still couldn't feel my toes. Oh, if you want to see what Maria looked like, we posted <laughs> a picture of her on several of our socials. Like, oh my gosh. And at least you were prepared. Yes. And, and I did take the opportunity to buy a fire scarf. Oh, nice. So, what was your overall take of the experience? It was, it was not a normal game day experience, I don't think, no. because of the cold. <laughs> yeah, there weren't many people there. Um, but the fans who were there, uh, I think, were compensating for the lack of people being there. And they were very loud. Oh, nice. Very passionate. Um, well, you're going to get your hardcore fans. And yeah. I like that. Yeah. The band was playing strong. I noticed that the trumpets died out after a while. <laughs> their, their lips probably <laughs> their froze. lips and their little <laughs> fingers. Like, I don't know how you press the buttons when, when you can't feel your fingers. Uh, but the drummer stayed drumming. That was nice. Uh, there was a Cincinnati family right in front of us that was uh, very excited in the second half. <laughs> you may not know this, but they have blown big leads against Cincinnati regularly. Is that a regular thing? It regularly. I, and and on top of that, the worst game I've ever seen the fire play was against Cincinnati like two years ago. Oh. So... I was really excited the way this game started. <laughs> but you should have known. I well, I think I think Livy said to me at one point, is like, you know, this is wow, this is going great. I'm like, yeah, well, it's within <laughs> two goals, so 
for any other team, it's basically like we're, we're down 1-0. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it was. there was 10 minutes left, and me and Jeremy, I don't know if we just watch leads too much, but we were like, there's still time to lose. And you were right. And we were right. I, it's still time to tie, but definitely still time to lose. So it was not... The- it was not a, I would not describe it as a beautifully flowing game, but when it's 21 degrees on a, a bumpy pitch, but the fire definitely had the better run of play for most mm-hmm. of the game. And we saw goals from Casper Shabilko, which is a great sign. Chris Mueller uh, had a great goal to start off the second half. And what was the other first half? Oh, the penalty. The penalty. By Bearclaw uh, Rafael Shios. <laughs> Um, a very clear penalty. I can't. Yes. I can't even believe that guy was trying to play it off. He basically tackled oh Chris was... Mueller in the corner of the box. Um, and you know, other bright spots. I thought our young goalie. The, the goals were not really his fault. They were tough goals by Cincinnati. There were some, he had some good, good saves. saves. Yeah. Very good saves. Um, but then in the about seventy fifth minute, I don't know when it seemed like Cincinnati made. Two key substitutes bringing on um, what are regular starters for them. And the fire just couldn't match in the substitutes, mm. maybe because of injuries or red They've cars. They've had so many. And it, immediately, the impact was immediate. I have to admit, I did not see the third goal because I was, again, watching the game on delay. And that was 3-2. And then because I know the fire, I was like, I can't handle just waiting. <laughs> I have to check the score. And... If, in fact, they lose or time not putting myself through this. It's like flipping to the last page of a book before you start reading I couldn't, it. I couldn't put myself through it. And then I saw that it was a tie and I just turned it off. So what was the last goal? I didn't even, I couldn't even watch. What was it? Was it a corner? Doesn't matter. It happened. Oh. The poor fight. Uh, I, by that point, I will admit, I was so cold that my brain function had slowed. <laughs> and like words were not coming out of my mouth in the right order. <laughs> Jeremy was staring at me while I was speaking and like the words were coming out, but they were not in the right order. (laughs) I don't know. So what was your overall take of the stadium, um, the kind of surrounding elements? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been to see games like friendly matches at Soldier Field before Mm. and it's always a good time. The stadium's fun. Um, I love that there's indoor warm space. (laughs) <laughs> and we got hot chocolate and popcorn oh, and nice. it was lovely even though i don't like hot chocolate but you probably did at that moment <laughs> i drank a little bit yeah uh we missed the fire's third goal because it was in like the 46th minute and yeah it was right after that. and we weren't yeah. back out yet because i still couldn't feel my toes <laughs> and we were waiting until i could feel my toes before we went back out but we were out there for 99 percent of oh, the playtime um yeah Good vibes, <laughs> lovely scenery, right on the lake. In summer, it's going to be so much fun. Okay, I already mentioned how many clothes I was wearing, how many layers. <laughs> there are fools out there in like denim jackets. Maybe they're trying to feel at one with the players. Or Maybe. Something. Well, they should be running like nine miles then just around the stadium. They were probably from Cincinnati. They might have been. Yeah, fools out there in denim jackets or like wearing tennis shoes with their an- bare ankles showing. And I'm like, dude. I got to make it down. So the ne- when they play the return game in Cincinnati, I want to try to go. Because their stadium's supposed to be amazing. 
Maybe if I go there, they'll blow a lead. Maybe. <laughs> With our new coach, Patrick Vieira slash <laughs> Jesse Marsh, the coaching <laughs> tanda. I think this would be a good move for Marsh. I think this would be a good movie. <laughs> if he came back? I, like former player? Yeah. I want to see this. Like, disgruntled out of the Premier League. It's like a reverse Ted Lasso. Yeah. He's like, clearly on a bender in Princeton right now. <laughs> so like... Someone's like, Jess, you got to sober up. Man. Oh, no. But where am I going to go? You got to go back Yeah, go back home. <laughs> where it all like, started. He stumbles. Oh, this team's a mess. I got to. I don't know if I can do it. You can still do it, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like some spark of some like moment that he remembers his passion and remembers wow. how to win. Marching on once again. Mm. Marching on yeah. together. Marching on through the fire. Fire Marsh. Mm, fire fire Marshal. <laughs> fire Marshal. That's the name of the film. <laughs> That's right. The Footy Museum presents Fire Marshal and Jesse Marsh's triumphant return to the Chicago Fire with surprise ball boy appearance by Chris Armis. <laughs> How do you feel about um, Cincinnati's kits in person? The silver the, on orange. It's the such a overall bold. impression is just orange. Yeah, like it's, it's just, just a orange. Lot of orange. I was actually, I thought the sh- the fire kits looked really smart. They were nice. Yeah, their home kits. A little, f- a little nice. French. Yeah, they vibe. do a little PSG. Um, well, great. So you're gonna be going back. Yeah. We, we should do a episode from the stadium when it's warmer. We should. Oh, I tried recording stuff, and my phone shut down because it was too cold. <laughs> So I am super excited that we have a guest today who embodies a lot of the things that we care about when it comes to football. Uh, She is a fan of the game as a player, a coach. She's also a designer by way of being a printmaker. Um, Her work can be seen with such great organizations as the wonderful American uh, football League, the USL, where she did the Free to Be campaign in 2022. Um, and she's working on so many fantastic projects, a lot of them centered around football. And I'm just so pleased uh, to welcome Fia Bazo. It's Bazo, correct? Bazo, correct. Thank you so much. <laughs> Fia, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We just, I came across your work through the the project you did with USL um, and your story really interested me as as someone who was sounded like a large football fan and was working in printmaking and slowly evolved into being a graphic designer but has consciously chosen to try to do as many football related projects as possible. And so I'm so glad that I reached out to you that you are open to speaking with us today. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. I love this so much. And yeah, that was a really cool project with USL. I got to work. It wasn't just all me. Um, I, I got to work with the designers. I was more of a consultant and came out with the general concept. And they really like just looked to meet for inside of the the pride um community mm-hmm. and um what it is that we 
would like to, you know, use it as a platform to say something, you know, to the fans and the USL audience as a, as a whole. So I love that they reached out and we're really, and the designers there are like so incredible and so receptive and they did so much work as far as research and um, make sure everything's tight and historically um, correct. And it was, it was a great, um, a great experience all around. That's great. I'm always very impressed by what comes out of USL in terms of their design. I think that they, they've been doing some really great work. And I'm curious for you, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about your evolution of how you became much more of a full-time designer. And I don't know if you want to share with us how that happened. Yeah, sure. I originally, my girlfriend at a time, um, now my wife. Well, congratulations. Um, and thanks. <laughs> um, it was like, I want to say it was maybe 2010. And we were like, um, just thinking about how funny it would be to make t-shirts with like sayings that we thought were funny or, you know, things like that. And <laughs> And um, and mainly we didn't find a lot of like unisex style clothing at a time. It wasn't like as popular. And we're like, let's just do a unisex brand and design our own stuff. Neither of us knew <laughs> at all like anything about <laughs> what we were about to get into. But we started and we worked with a printer at first. And he helped us out with, the, with some designs. And like a couple of my friends were designers and they were helping us out. And then like little by little, we started doing our own. And we would sell these shirts and we would like... Uh, do little street fairs and things like that and like the the little brand that started as a kind of like a hobby started to grow and then I started to print my own my own stuff and then design more and then when people wanted to print their own shirts they would ask me to design them so that's how it started I was I just designed for people and learning as much as I could um, on YouTube but then I realized okay this is like becoming like a part-time job <laughs> then a full-time job so i need to know what i'm doing and so i took a few classes and um at sbc here in seattle this school of visual concepts and took graphic design and um you know got into all the tools learn illustrator and photoshop for beginners and then moved to more advanced and then drawing composition all that stuff so and that's how that's how that started and then i i started like getting little design projects that had nothing to do with printing mm -hmm. and little by little you know like it snowballed into now I'm just like a full-time freelance graphic designer and um, it happened really slowly but definitely with ups and downs but it's been I wouldn't change it and and, and when I started designing soccer stuff there was like no going back i'm like this my two, <laughs> my two loves in one and then like i ever, ever since then then i i made i i was just like putting it out that i'm like a soccer graphic designer and <laughs> this is what i'm gonna do and at the end of the day like the stuff that i was doing was connecting with people because i think it is like something that i am so passionate about and been involved in since i'm a kid so yeah let's talk about that because that is very clear and how you present your practice um, and the projects you're working on now is very much rooted in that that love of of soccer. 
And where does that come from? You know, how did you become such a fan? Oh, my God. Well, I'm from Lima, Peru, and the, you know, like any South American country is the religion for better or for worse. <laughs> you know, that's like, um, and, you know, I, I had I, my, I had a sister and two brothers, and my dad was a huge soccer fan, and I played with them, with my brothers in the after school, before school, like every single day, my whole life growing up, street soccer, you know, with all the neighbors mm -hmm. and their neighbors, uncles and cousins. And it was just like, it was like my everyday for a long time. And I, I looking back, I feel like I felt like soccer was like the only thing I was good at, you know, as a kid, like I was like a terrible student and, <laughs> you know. I don't want to say a bad kid, but I was not a good kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say a bad kid, but whatever the opposite yeah. of that is. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever in between golden child and like a little terrorist. <laughs> whatever <laughs> a golden terrorist. Ask, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. If you ask my aunts growing up, they'll be like, it's more like a terrorist. But um <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I got to go to the stadium uh, as a kid a couple times for to watch my beloved Alianza Lima. Oh, I, I was um, gonna ask who your club was, Alianza Lima. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my club. My whole family is like the opposite team, Universitario, oh, okay. like the rival. But, but Alianza always resonated more with me because it was like um, kind of like the poor team, you know, with like mostly people of color and mm -hmm. and just like always battling it out and i i don't know i connected with them more and it's a bit rowdier too isn't it i mean in terms oh, of the atmosphere yeah yeah, yeah 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 for sure they they come from like you know that area in lima is like not so nice and <laughs> well nice depending on who you ask right because right Victoria, which is like the neighborhood is like you know so rich in culture in and food and, and, and the mm -hmm. people are amazing. But you know, like at the time, you know, my family aligned more with the other team and I'm like, nah. So, you know, after experiencing going to the stadium as a kid, um, even though I only went a couple of times, that was enough for me. I was like, this is like, this is amazing. This is, it was like a huge party that um, just brought so many people together from, from everywhere. And, I don't know. It's just like you, you, it just takes you, you know? Yeah. And do you still follow them? I, I do now, but I didn't for a long time okay. because after I moved to the U.S., I moved here like in 2001 and like any immigrant, you know, you're like thrown into the, a new world and then you're just like trying to survive for the longest time. So I disconnected from soccer for a while, actually. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't following anything, any team. I was just like busy trying to um you know get grounded and build a community for myself and, and funny enough it was like through playing soccer that i made most most of my friends but <laughs> but i didn't really follow like uh football on on, on tv as much well it's it, that's interesting in that the lot of the guests we speak to actually speak about how uh soccer is an international language and that is one of the reasons they love it so much is that it is a common 
a common language, a common ground that crosses cultures and borders. Um, and I'm wondering when you did finally return to it, when you started watching again or following or getting maybe immersed in the very rich soccer culture there in Seattle, if you found that that helped you be, feel more at home or helped you settle more in this new city or in this new place? For sure. Like, like I was saying, you know, like when as a kid, the, the, the times when I think back of feeling like, you know, when people say, oh, you're so free as a kid. For me, those times were playing soccer with, with my friends and with, with my brothers and um, when I started doing that again with people that I met here through work or through friends, um, it, it felt like I found a, an, a part of me that I had put aside or that I couldn't like tend to while I was like, you know, busy trying to get a job or, you know, save money for a car or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I had like responsibilities all of a sudden, you know. But yeah, definitely when I started playing again, I realized that I cannot, I cannot leave this again. So I've been, as soon as I started, I, I never, I never stopped playing. And I've, I've played, you know, like the, all the rec leagues around like mm -hmm. level nine, level eight, level seven. There's like a lot of leagues here. So yeah, I was, I was lucky to find that. And, you know, one, one aspect of what we do on this podcast is we focus on different countries and look at their top leagues and kind of look at the culture and design surrounding teams. And we were uh, just recently looking at Peru and it's a fascinating, obviously Peru is such a, a football rich uh, country. The national teams, um, the national teams are, are very well respected, you know, definitely up on a level in South American teams. I know that the, now that the women's team, uh, national team, is also playing regularly, I don't doubt that they'll also be up there as well. But I'm curious, when you think about the football culture in Peru, uh, besides like your personal history with it, what else do you feel it says kind of about that country or... Uh, the culture that's there. And I know it's mostly Lima based. Almost the entire league is basically centered mm -hmm. around Lima. But do you see anything uniquely um, Peruvian that is reflected in the culture of football there? Well, I think it's been changing, mm -hmm. you know, this, uh, the culture in soccer there, especially in the last, I would say eight years. Um, I feel like, I don't know if this is unique to Peru, but for me, growing up, so, like the Peruvian team was like so full of disappointments. Like, <laughs> playing against Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, when Colombia had like the all the idols, you know, and like Valderram. It was just like, um, we. I loved how Peru played but it was always it always ended in heartbreak you yeah. know like watching for Peru play and so and I think the culture because it's so connected with uh football our, our almost like our self-esteem you know it's mixed with the with soccer I felt like we 
culturally we were we were in a dark space for a long time yeah and that's been changing uh like i said like maybe in the last 10 years since basically our the coach that just left gareca took over and basically brought hope to to the entire peruvian fandom and um well, it, yeah, it, I think in I the think last a lot. in the last decade, it's been known as a team to watch out for, and the um, the passion and creativity in which they play is 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 pretty impressive. It was I was very disappointed that they lost out at the um, the men's World Cup in the in the playoff against Australia. I think it would have oh been great God. to have them there. <laughs> Much better than Australia. That was so traumatic. I cried at some oh bar here in Seattle, like wrapped <laughs> in my flag. It was just like the saddest picture. <laughs> I was like ready to celebrate, but um uh yeah, so yeah, it's changed a lot. And I'm I'm in and in a way I feel like since then I've been reconnecting with that culture because like I said you know I disconnected for a long time mm -hmm. and it was then that I started to reconnect when I started to feel like we could all get behind the team and maybe maybe something could happen maybe we could go out World Cup I've ne I had never seen Peru in a World Cup since I was born oh. until until the 2018 yeah. until Russia so it was so fun and it was so incredible to just follow them little by little, watch their progression and believe them, believe it themselves and follow along and connect with people, even from far away, with people's passions and like, um, like it felt like the sky was like opening up for us as a, <laughs> as a country. And it was like so insane to experience it alone because I don't know any other Peruvians here in Seattle really. So it was like I, I needed, I started to watch all the shows from Peru and follow all the, the, the National League to, so I can get to know the players again. And, and, and that was like really, that was a special time. And going to the World Cup then I was just like, you know, in, in heaven, I like never get up early, but I was like up at, you know, like 4 a.m. watching every game. That's such a special um, feeling. It's such a special feeling. I, I love that about the World Cup, but watching it when the rest mm -hmm. of the world's asleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but you do have one of, you know, one of the best current uh, players in the U.S. Domestic League in Seattle is Peruvian. Oh, yeah. Um, That's right. Raul Rui Diaz. Do you ever watch the uh, the Sounders or or the Rain? I do. I I don't watch the Sounders as much, if I'm being honest. The That's Rain fine. a little bit more. Um, don't watch, don't watch a lot of U.S. soccer, mm -hmm. but um, I'm surprised being in Seattle. It's, it's like kind of the, <laughs> it's one of the hotbeds, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I and and I used to a lot more, and but the Sanders I haven't watched in in a little bit. I have been following, um, but yeah, Luis Diaz is here and doing his thing, and I I love it. I love it. They they had a huge mural of him here a few a few years ago, and want to take pictures with that um but yeah yeah it's it's definitely a huge thing here and their kids have been like really amazing lately <laughs> the last couple of years um they yeah. have i i i really love i loved the the um 
Purple Haze kit and the Bruce Lee kit is also probably the best. And I would say a lot of MLS kits this year were, were pretty strong, but that one yeah, is, so, is so pushing it. I love how far they pushed it. Um, and it's great that they're making up for their horrible field with the uniforms they wear. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I love, I love that um, the purple haze one. I thought it was so sick, and they, I, it's so good when you can connect heritage of a place, something absolutely. that everyone's proud of, and then you do a banging design like that. It's like it was so good. Well, speaking of that, you know, you have really, in your design work, you've made a very clear choice to work on. Uh, soccer or football related projects and I'm curious how one how long did it take you to really establish that as your your niche to work in where you were really attracting those type of clients but also has it changed your relationship with what was up until that point a very kind of personal love of the game tied into your own biography and personal enjoyment and now where it's very much tied into your livelihood and your profession i'm wondering if it altered it at all hmm. um how long it took for me to niche down to soccer i was trying to hurry trust me but like it took a long time <laughs> <laughs> but i i think like you know it felt like every project that i did before i started working in soccer was like just basically training for for me to um, really focus on that. It, it 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 was like I did like really really small projects at the beginning, and I was just like all over it. I wanted I just wanted to do um, anything that related to the game, and it took like maybe I want to say like three four projects from small ones for me to be like, I'm shutting this down. I'm only going to do soccer from now on. And so it was like slow and fast at the same time because the projects didn't weren't, were small and they were, but they were useful enough for me that I was like, I don't want to do anything else. Though I do do design all other things, but yeah. I don't put it out as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you still have to pay the bills. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What, you know, within that field, like I'm always drawn to uh, team badges or crests. Um, mm -hmm. I think because of the very clear restrictions that they have, you know, it's, it's, it's how they're mm -hmm. used is very set. It, um, there's only so many elements you can use and there's a billion combinations that everyone has seen. So within mm -hmm. those constraints, I'm always interested how people or how designers come up with new or interesting uh, designs. And I don't know if, if that was something that in interested you or if there was some aspect of football culture that you especially love uh, to design for. Yeah, um, to design a badge for any team would be like a dream. And at the same time, probably my biggest fear <laughs> because I think <laughs> anything that you do, anytime you change something so critical, like 
so meaningful like a like a crest yeah. or a badge it you know you're gonna get probably mostly hate you know that i don't think people it, it's hard for people to change it's hard even like when you look at design and you do any sort of like brand refresh or a logo update or like a facelift of any it takes time mm-hmm. for people to never love a first sight right so um i love i love the idea and i every time i see someone doing a, a rebrand for a, any shield i'm like so scared for them because i know they're go- <laughs> i know they're gonna hear it not just from people but from every commentator and from every like critic but yeah that's it that's the ultimate dream course and yeah i've i've always loved them um i started collecting jerseys recently this is a recent thing for me but that's uh, um, dangerous that's a dangerous road you're walking just, on now now you tell me now you tell me <laughs> it's too late it's too late but with that you know i get to appreciate um i'm not like i don't have like a i'm not super super loyal to like teams per mm-hmm. se like i Peru is my number one team in Alianza Lima. But other than that, for, for even, I, I watch a lot of Premier League and and stuff. But uh, And I, I like to follow stories of players and coaches yeah, more absolutely. than anything else, tra- trajectories and, and stuff like that, more than like have like super hardcore loyalties to team. And that allows me to like look at kids and, and, and shields and stuff like that more, a little bit more impartially, you know, like I'm not, I, I don't hate anyone, although you'll probably never see me in like a Man United kit. Or... <laughs> <laughs> we just recently had a diehard United fan on, but uh, I'm curious who who do, uh, you said you don't follow specifically, but what teams in the Premier League do you have an affinity for? Mm, well, I love Guardiola, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, Man City is always fun to watch and it's like they're just like such a, a powerhouse and I, I love their style of play. It's hard not to I, I understand the hate, but like it's hard not to like them or or, or find them so interesting. Well Pep and, is a um, very seductive personality, I think, absolutely. Right? It's like hard I, I love how just like he just goes for it. He's so committed to his style and makes players that are like professional grown men do what like <laughs> go to them makes them play exactly how he wants them and and it's so when done right i feel like is there better soccer than that i don't know maybe i'm getting into too too deep here <laughs> but like <laughs> well if there but was I, I just really if there was a team that it could be in the premier league or maybe uh, Alianza Lima, who you, who you, if you could redesign mm-hmm. their badge, who would it be, and what would you do? Um, well, it would be, it would be Peru actually, because their badge hasn't changed that yeah. much ever. Like yeah. it's always looked kind of the same, and I think it's um, the culture has changed so much that I think a little facelift would be would be really cool to explore. 
but at the same time, like I said, like really scary. I know like most of Peru would never accept anything. <laughs> anything else in the SPF and, um, and the flag. But I think there's like so much room to play with there. And so in, in Peru, Peruvian people, like the creatives in, in, in Peru are so good. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. But like you said, there, there's a lot of limitations to that. So. Well, there was a, um, Ecuador did a huge rebranding. Uh, like Loved it. To, loved I loved one. it too. But I thought it was not, not just, not just their crest, which I think is phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. but their kits for the mm -hmm. world cup were so beautiful and it was so thoughtful. And I don't know if you saw it, the way they released the, the, the redesign was just through this video, oh, yeah. animated the, video. Yeah, oh, so I thought good. they nailed it. And I was surprised because I saw that and I was like, they nailed it. This They just killed it. This is perfect, especially as that team is really coming into its own. Um, and then people still hate on it. They still hate on it. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, you cannot do a good job here. Like, it's like... It's not. It's impossible to to create something for a whole country <laughs> to like that's so used to what they like for better or for worse, you know. But I thought they nailed it. I I was so I was so impressed and like you know Peru and Ecuador like a little bit of the a little bit of tension there. there. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, no, they, the whole the, their whole rebrand, like their social media, um, they did such a good job, and I thought it was super smart. The the way they incorporated their elements and now how how scalable it is now and yes you can yeah I I, I think of course it's gonna get hate now but or when it it got released but I think in like the next you know like twenty years like they're not gonna need to change that if they don't uh, back down if they don't back down yeah. I think it will really last absolutely and I, I I think it's gonna be really successful you know speaking of that that knowledge of of people's fear of something different or anything that kind of pushes the edge mm -hmm. um, in relationship both to soccer, but also design. I think that in design, like when you're, or when you're playing in a game or watching a game, you get a sense at certain moments when things have to be pushed, when things have mm -hmm. to be, um, need to go all out. And I'm curious as a designer, when you, when you come up against that very strong sense and understanding that that action has to come, but there's that also understanding that there's going to be an opposition because of the fear of something different on the other side of it. How do you balance mm -hmm. that as a designer? Um, especially as a, as a designer who, who loves a sport, so much that is also about really pushing through those gaps you know what i mean those opportunities um and embracing kind of that spirit how do you balance that how do you balance the, the fact that you need to have clients but also keeping that kind of fire of the new alive and what you do yeah can you answer that how do you balance that <laughs> i don't know i don't know and i always ask that I think I think I think you have to keep doing it is really the only answer. I think it's not a balance. It's like you have to um 
you have to yeah, be fully, yeah, like it, firmly it planted and and push that and know there'll be that pushback and, and there's all gonna be that push and pull always mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing like mining, whether it's um the game or it's just like so interesting because i feel like in design it'll you have to push the design you have to push people you have to push yourself and be willing to um just and it's funny because sometimes you can be like really sure of yourself on mm -hmm. a design decision mm -hmm. and be completely wrong and or it can it be, can be completely ignored or like people won't like it or accept it and it, even though you know it's the right path and it's balancing i think um learning how to communicate it in a way that the best way that you can so it can be seen for what it is because a lot of the times i feel like you can create something that just doesn't doesn't get um you don't sell it the right way and then that's the end of that mm -hmm. there you only get so many chances to to impress um, especially when you're like when you're working for a for a client for like a one-off is one thing but when you're in a company and you have to present designs constantly you have to build that trust through every project that you present then i think it, it's easier to learn but when you're doing like a brand a, a rebrand re or like even like creating a logo from the beginning then you only get you know so many so many chances to to sell your work in the way that it needs to to be sold or or you know explaining why you made certain decisions and i think that's like something that you you'll never stop like learning yeah and i think it's 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 a awkward balance of being brave but also staying comfortable so you can kind of hear your instincts as as you go um well fio this has been an absolute pleasure I, I've, I've really enjoyed uh speaking with you and getting to know you a little bit and i'm so glad that you agreed to come on the pod and i'm wondering before we go if there's any projects you want to share that you're working on or anything that we can look out for that you're involved with um yeah i'm, I'm still doing work for kickoff coffee Co. I don't know if you've heard about them. They're, yeah, I saw it. Uh, and I was looking at the work you did. It's great. Yeah, they're like a coffee company that's really gonna push it this year, and they have exciting things coming up. And on a personal level, I'm starting this little company. Much, uh, I wouldn't say it's a. Uh, I'm curating a museum per se, but I'm curating it. <laughs> I'm gonna try to curate it. Um, an Instagram account for soccer clothing. And so I, I think, you know, I buy everything I wear is soccer. So, and sometimes it's hard to find. So I feel like it'd be cool to have a little space where you can see everything that's out there or start curating uh, some sort of catalog, if you will, of, or lookbook of everything, all the artists or, or brands or local teams that have like cool soccer merch mm -hmm. that people can easily find and support i'm gonna be launching that in the next week or so it's gonna be called for club and country for club and, and country okay uh -huh. and so right now 
we it's completely empty but it'll start um I've been, I've been working on it for a little bit but it'll it should be it should be live hopefully in the next few days and yeah so you know back to my i miss printing and i miss printing soccer things and since i can't do that anymore i i i just want to like make sure i know everything that's out there you know and and put it out there for people to to check out and and so it's easy for them to support the brands that are out there um, doing killer, you know, soccer designs. Oh, that's great. I look forward to checking it out. Um, thank you again. Um, and if people want to see the other work uh, that you're working on, it's, it's what's your website address again? It's theobazo.com. <laughs> All right. That's a tough one. That's a hard one to remember. <laughs> I know, I know, and uh, yeah, just like my Instagram, like I, I'm really bad at posting things, but Theo Shmio is my Insta handle, but you know, don't get too excited. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank Theo, you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having me, man. It, this was so fun, and like I look forward to going and checking out the uh, the Footy Museum someday. Yeah, I can't wait to have you. Maybe we'll feature some of your designs. Who knows? Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again. Um, and I will let you enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, so Same, same. Yeah. Feel okay. free to edit everything. All the ums, <laughs> all, the, all the I knows. All the, I'll just all leave the, that. Uh, it'll just pen. be you praising Pep. That'll be it. <laughs> just another bandwagon yeah. city fan. That's what. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> I know all that money. <laughs> I I can't help it. But yeah, well, tell Maria I'm bummed that she didn't come in with all her leads, you know, chants and stuff. That I was looking forward to hear that. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. maybe she's next so, time. <laughs> oh, she's having a tough time. She's having a tough time. Okay, I will. All right, we'll talk again. Okay, in the thanks future. so much. Justin. Thank you so much. Have a great night. All right. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was great. I know Fio really missed talking to you, Maria. She wanted to hear, as she said, she wanted to hear your Leeds chants and maybe do a little Premier League banter. Mm, I'm I'm bummed I had to miss that interview, but I'm so glad that you got a chance to talk to her. It's yeah. super interesting. Very interesting. Even though she's a city Manchester City fan, she's we'll still it. pretty decent. <laughs> um, if you want to check out uh, more of Fio's work, you can go to our website, where we will have links to her work there um, and also where you can follow her. And that about does it for this week. Do you have uh, anything you're looking forward to for the next I'm week? I'm looking forward to destroying Arsenal. Oh, watch out. Yeah, that watch rainbow is going to turn into a double rainbow. That's right. Gunners in trouble. I think the, I think that they're, they're going down for sure. Like yeah. Six nil. I'm excited to talk with you again this week, Maria. And uh, I just want to remind everyone, if you like this podcast, please make sure to like and share it. Also, check out our website, thefootymuseum.com. As Maria and I are preparing and organizing exhibitions we will be making available to travel, uh, we also have been posting um, uh, columns, and that's also where we share our podcast and there's a lot of fun things there so go to thefootymuseum.com and what did you write about this week i thought that was interesting you followed up on your peru episode mm -hmm. i did because there were last week we talked about similarities between different club crests in peru 
and we only touched on a couple teams with all the same design, but there are more. <laughs> there are more similar designs. So I touched on that a bit. Check that out. And I'm working on a story. Uh, what if relegation was based on design? Who from the bottom <laughs> seven teams would go out? Leeds. Well, it includes atmosphere. So Leeds oh, okay. is safe. But uh, I have to say it doesn't look so good for some other teams. All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
Hmm. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 